presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil Country Podcast. Episode 50, I believe it is, here, Kyle, which is exciting. Big big celebration going on during the suspension of the NHL season. Um, we are presented by the Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere. As always, I'm your host, John, and joining me from Montreal, Quebec is Kyle. Kyle, how's it going over there, man? You staying safe? Uh, I'm in the midst of a fall-down lockdown at the moment. I have no job. I'm hanging out at home. I'm on day one of my quarantine with my girlfriend, and I'm already wanting to break up with her. So that's the thing. Just, <laughs> I just gotta kidding. say, when we just were kidding. talking just, off just, air, just, just please, I'm kidding. But just in case she listens to that, she has her headphones on. It's all good. But what did she say before we recorded here when you guys were bitching at each other that she's tired? She's already sick of you. Is that what she said? <laughs> Oh, she said she's already ready to break up with me, and it's been, she's on day five, I'm on day one of my quarantine, so effectively, we've restarted on the self-isolation right now, but uh, (laughs) but yeah, sounded good. I I read a stat that in China, divorce rates are up 2,000% since the quarantine, (laughs) so... I'm not married, Sorry, so at least I got that going for me, but That's not funny, yeah, at least you're not going to have, like, alimony or anything like that. (laughs) Good start. I'm hoping I get a fucking credit freeze right now, dude, with the way that this economy is sinking right now. But, I mean, we've been pretty depressed over the last uh, episode and now the beginning of this one. So we're going to be lighter for sure normal this time. Shit. Let's, let's have a light episode, I'm, I'm feeling, right, John? Yeah, we're. I mean, we're obviously going to talk about kind of the developments and the, the rumors coming out a little bit. Because, I mean, we've got to talk NHL. But, yeah, we're definitely going to keep it lighter and try and try to return to our fun times instead of all this doom and gloom since the NHL season has been suspended. But where I wanted to get going was the article, I believe it was Jonathan Willis, right, on The Athletic that was talking about Shirelli. That's the one and, I messaged you earlier today. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was the one. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. Like he pretty much sorry for anyone that hasn't read it that might not subscribe to the Athletic. One, do it if you have the money. It's pretty cheap and it's a great, great service. But anyways, um, pretty much talking about really not learning from his mistakes and wanting to get back into the GM, GM reign here. How did how did you feel reading that as an Oilers fan? For one, like it, it kind of blew me away him almost not really like it wasn't that he dodged responsibility, but he didn't fully understand where he fucked up. I mean, I want to come with this objectively, right. Uh, and not overreact to what I read there, but yeah, I'm on your side. Like Shirelli. And, and I think it's obvious to anybody who paid attention to hockey during the tenure that he was there had a terrible, terrible time in Edmonton. I think everyone listening knows that. <laughs> I know. I know. Sorry. But I think to discredit him for the small but good moves that he made, right? Like a David Musil for a, um, oh my God, I totally blanked on the name. Fucking Maroon? Tampa Bay, Maroon, Patrick Maroon. Now, holy fuck, that was bad. Uh, <laughs> Dude, how do you? <laughs> but I mean, that was that's a, small that's a guy to forget right there for you. I know, that was, that no, was bad. I had Cassian take over my brain over the last while. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, well, that's what I thought, but he came in via Scrivens. But we also got the backup goaltender from New York, 
which was uh, Talbot, right, on the time playing under Lundqvist. I got him for a third-round pick. Like, there were small but minor moves that were made that were good there. The problem with Shirelli was his bigger moves that he made. Um, and, and saying that, I still fucking hated the article because Shirelli does not deserve any general manager's position in any team in the NHL. As much as I would hope that he would take over Calgary or Vancouver's position, <laughs> it's not a realistic thing because they are not as stupid as that. Maybe that's what he needs. He needs to go back to Ottawa where he can't spend. Go so be Melnick a lawyer will keep again? him in check and he can be a lawyer again. <laughs> it's okay. I You brought up his moves that he made and I actually, I was chatting with a couple guys on Twitter today and had kind of summarized it and I'm just going to quickly, I'm curious if you disagree with any of this. Okay, so as far as his good moves, he re-signed Dreisaitl, McDavid, Clefbaum, and also signed Sekera from free agency. Any disagreements that those were like smart or very, very good moves? Well, I mean, you can argue about the pricing of it at the time, right? Dreisaitl with that contract. No, fuck it. Like, there like, was, I feel, I'm not, I feel sorry, like you can't even... that, right? Uh, no, sorry. I know, but I, I hate... Like, I'm not saying you're doing this, but I know a lot of people look at it that way. And I get it, but I hate it at the same time. Because it's like, at the end of the day, it worked out. Like, was it risky at the time? Could Dreisaitl have been half for $500,000 less? Sure. But at the end of the day, he signed him to an absolute steal. Did you even think it was risky at the time? Because I was happy with the signing. I was obviously happy to re-sign Dry. I will admit, I at the time, I was in the camp that I thought that they should have held out for another couple of weeks to try and get it down to eight. Okay. But that being said, looking back... I think I was being stupid like a lot of other Oilers fans at the time were. And it's like, yeah, could you have maybe saved a bit of money at the time? Sure. But at the end of the day, it's one of the best contracts in the NHL. Like you can't nitpick it like that, in my opinion. I know you're not doing that, but a lot of people do. Yeah, I just understand. Honestly, I've probably been guilty of that too. I'm just saying like to give credit to Shirelli, which is hard to say as an Oilers fan. I don't discredit him for the contracts. I even still hate him for the costing and contract because that very well should have been much, much less than what it was. Right? Like just going by performance base, there was twenty seven games playing when they signed with that contract. I have I have that in the bad section. Yeah, exactly. Like and here's the other thing is I feel like a lot of people rip on the Sekera contract. And personally, like yeah, he signed him into his 30s, so sure, like you could kind of put that on the GM saying like risk of injury, but those are also kind of two, especially the second, like the Achilles injury while, while training in the offseason. Like there's always risk associated with signing anyone to a long-term deal, and I feel like not to defend Shirelli here because I absolutely hate the guy as a hockey mind, but... At the end of the day, that that is kind of some bad luck. Like Reggie was probably our best defenseman the year we made the playoffs. So that was a key signing. It just didn't work out in the long term. But I think it was still like, do you go back and redo that signing over again? Wow, dude. Holy fuck. You're I'm really throwing three me on a spot. No, but... you're throwing me on a spin right now because you're making me actually think back on Shirelli's tenure here. And, well, they, and they try and be objective about it, right? It's like, it's not as bad as most people think it is. Like, I'll say that right now. Sorry, that's what I was about to say. Like, I I hate Trelly as much as any other Oilers fan out there. I think that he made some terrible decisions looking back on the, the time For that he was sure. here. And sorry, Kyle, I've got to cut you off. Before anyone turns this podcast off, just 
realize that like his failures, we fully admit his failures were so bad that he's one of the worst GMs in history. But I just don't like the revisionist, the revisionist history, whatever you want to call it, saying that, oh, he didn't make any good moves because that's not true. Sorry, Kyle, to cut well, you off. Okay, no problem. I, I felt the and, listeners shutting us off. <laughs> no problem. And to any listener's sake, too, like, I, I still hate Trelly. And this is actually, yeah, it's boggling yeah, my mind that I'm even having this opinion right now because I'm struggling to say it because I actually do still hate Peter. But saying that, right, I already mentioned how he made the better small moves, right? Like third round picks or no name NHL players that ended up being a roster player on our line. But as well, when he came into our team, it was the McDavid draft year, which was one of the deepest seasons of all time. And everybody can talk about the Griffin Reinhardt trade all they want to, right? It was a horrible trade, horrible trade. And he should have known better. I get that. He should have had scouts watching him. Well, he did. They were just fucking idiots, and he shouldn't have listened to them. <laughs> but not even from Edmonton, from his team in Boston, right? Like, Reinhardt played for the Islanders at that time. Same division. Should have been watching on him. They should have had an actual outlook on that player. And his first major move when he comes here is to trade two huge picks. Whether we would have, like, picked Barzell or whoever you want to say. Yeah, I personally think it's bullshit. Like, like, yeah. It's not going to happen. That's not the the way it's going to go. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who we would have picked. Those those draft picks he moved had huge value. Done. And agreed. A hundred percent. But I understand why he would have made that move when the scouts here are telling him to do it. Right. Like, I don't feel that the first draft was really on Shirelli as much as he was in charge and should have been laying his foot down. I think he was a bit shell shocked, had come off of a winning, almost winning season, I guess, in Boston. Yeah, and, that was one of their struggle ones. But yeah. Right. A and very uh, successful tenure in Boston, anyways, whether it was I the last year meant, or not. But, no, don't be sorry. It was yeah. Just, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, fuck, but. <laughs> By our standards, they were. A, it was a good season because we hadn't done better for like. Yeah, and I understand. I understand the moves to their scouting department and listening to them, right? But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's really hard. I mean, you can call out anybody you want in history for making the wrong moves, and I mean, we'll call Shirelli out all day. But at one point, you got to understand that maybe it was all the people to do around him and not just him too. So. I've got to draw the line somewhere and I'll draw it on the Reinhardt thing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, yes, he might've gotten bad information from his scouts, but you're the guy, you're the GM. You get credit for the draft picks, the good trades, the good signings, and you get credit for the fuck ups, whether it was someone else's fault or yours. And at the end of the day, he listened to those scouts. And I know that's what a good GM does, but he listened to scouts that really weren't his guys. And I agree with you. He should have had a better idea as to who that player was before he even came over here. Cause at the end of the day, you're a GM, that's your job. And I know Griffin hadn't really cracked into the NHL. So he's not like a huge, huge name, but I feel like, he made the mistake of saying, wow, this guy was drafted really high. He he played in Edmonton in the WHL on a Memorial Cup run. He was a fan favorite here. This is like perfect defenseman, top four guy to bring in. Meanwhile, didn't look at the issues that were holding him back at the NHL level. And like looking at where he was drafted and where he played and how good he was in WHL, 
you or I could have made that decision based off of that. And one of the things with being a GM is looking at the whole picture of a player before you make that decision. And that's something he utterly failed to do. Like, I think that's, I think the Reinhardt, honestly, Reinhardt's right up there with Lucic, that signing. Like, those are the two worst moves he made, in my opinion. Uh, okay, sorry. I don't want to sound like I'm trying to defend Trelli at any point. Because, no, you're yeah. not. Uh, but just just in general, too, John, right? Like, just just the difference. Uh, I mean, it's it's four spots difference in the draft pick they were originally chosen from. But just the general manager that's making the choice difference between Holland and Trelli, right? So I know it's obviously drastic situations that are different, but us taking Broberg at eighth and being firm on that choice and wanting to move through and knowing that he's the right man, whether he is or not, but at least our general manager has his backing, right? Rather than what felt like an unsure trade, like we're talking about right now, right? And relying on his scouts, that he didn't know Holland came in and he seemed to know exactly who he wanted, whether his scouts knew it or not. Like we obviously don't know the behind the scenes with that, but you have to assume with the way that they picked him and they were around a, a sorry, the amount of slack or, or flack that was, uh, that was thrown his way for not picking Cole Caulfield or, or whatever, you know, top six winger, uh, potentially that could be available and, and going with Broberg pick, right? Like just, just that, uh, determination and at least knowing who they want gives me some more confidence in the general manager. The whole, I don't know what I'm necessarily doing. I want a bigger team. I'm going off the team I built in Boston thing, which again is right. Going off his former plan. Right. And, and looking back, I guess is, is you know captain it worked for the short term <laughs> but yeah i don't know it's just uh, you could look back on any general manager in history that's made the wrong moves and called him out right but uh but i understandably at the time a lot of oilers fans and boston fans to be fair were warning Oilers fans about Torelli's tenure there and about what we had to uh quote unquote look forward to because we thought that we were coming into the greatest time in Oilers history drafting McDavid. And that's huge to say, having Gretzky in the past. So, but it really has been. Sorry, I, sorry for ranting there, John. No, it's yeah, okay. Don't go. apologize. Yeah. I've, got yeah. a, I've got a question for you there. Yeah. What was your... How do you remember the Oilers fan base reacting to the Shirelli hiring in general? And for instance, when Boston fans said like that, what was like the majority consensus? Not necessarily what you thought, but how did oil country respond to that? Well, I actually got a pretty thorough look at oil country response. And I, and we hadn't talked to those before. Sorry. This is a general question. Just John asking me, uh, because on Reddit, I know me and John talked back to that a lot, but you get a good history of what was talked about because you can look back at any day in history and I want to say at the beginning of this year, John, on Edmonton Oilers Reddit, there was a post of, you know, the the look back on the Chirelli signing and how the entire Oilers community looked at it. And in general, it was positive, like the most positive it's ever been because we had gone through at that point a literal decade of darkness. We thought it was going to be the turning point. And I think part of it was blinded by the winning the lottery. 
Exactly. Yes. We had, it was just so much positivity. Like it was Mm -hmm. like, nobody could fuck this up. And like, yeah, Shirelli made mistakes, but he, he's, he has to have had learned from those, right? Like he's not going to give out those albatross contracts and, and make all these decisions and crazy trades like the, the Tyler Sagan one. Now, John, sorry to to cut you off, but if you go look through that Reddit, uh, history post, I'll try to find it so we can retweet it out. But if you go look through it, it's actually quite hilarious with how many oh, Boston fans <laughs> are calling out Shrelly and what to look out for. And every single one is what we were met with. We should have listened. <laughs> and now that Detroit fans are calling out Holland, I was looking especially close at that. But luckily, we've been blessed with the better side of it. I still feel that Holland, like not to talk any shit on that whole general hire because I think it was the best person that we could have got at that moment, right? He had to do a lot for controlling Detroit for getting their playoff chances through for their streak, right? So I, I have no qualms with what Holland's done. I almost think it's one of those things where I'm happy with what Holland's done this far, but like my Oilers PTSD kicked in a little bit. And I think it's because we're almost in off-season mode right now. So there's a lot of time to reflect and look back. But the negatives that Holland had from Detroit's perspective. And there were a lot of reasons, but it's also like, I'm going to be monitoring that and making sure he's not signing 31-year-old third-liners to like five-year deals. And I, I get it. Like, I think he has like... You look at the way Holland talks, and even though he's not the best public speaker, I would say, he also seems to really have a good understanding of what he's trying to purvey and the direction he's going in, right? As far as formulating his thoughts, which I'm struggling to do right now, but like, are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? But, uh, but no, I totally agree with you. And I think that Holland, like you said, has the experience and and kind of knows what to deal with here, which is why I was excited for him coming to our team because of the Puliarvi situation, right? Which I know we haven't talked about in a while, so maybe now's a good time to bring it up. Like, do you think she, but, right there? Do you think Shirelli would have like I? He would be it's gone. Obviously, right going to be impossible would, to say. He would have been gone for thing. a top six trade. Anansiu would have never happened without Puliarvi in it. Is how I feel. On the flip side, again, not defending Shirelli here whatsoever, and I'm not putting this on Holland either, but there was always that rumor that Shirelli had prom- made promises to Pugliarvi, and then that's part of the reason why, yes, he demanded a trade and went back. Well, hey, I mean, John, this is going to be a huge callback to our original episodes, but this was a skepticism that I had back at the time, right? And I was called crazy for it. Oh, Koskinen really? and Pugliarvi have the exact same agent. I feel that Shirelli was like, I mean, you can call it in bed, you can call it fucking whoever you want with the agent. <laughs> but there's no way that Koskinen got signed to a $4.5 million contract and then that same agent was going to push for top six time for Pugliarvi and, and a major contract. Money. Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe like, not you major, can get fucked, but like bigger than a bridge. Yeah, and that contract with Costco bigger than was what like, he will ah. get from a from a smart GM. But that, but that last contract with Costco was a last straw. I think they seen or at least heard about a contract coming with Puliarvi, and upper management, like upper upper management, cut that the fuck off because 
<laughs> well, I mean, like, let's be real. That happened all together. At once, I'm just right? laughing at you saying la. <laughs> la, la. Yeah. You're so French, Kyle. No, and that's okay. That That's a hot take, man, by the way. I think We're, that's a fair take, though. I mean, I think I see where you you showed your work. Like, I, I see where you connected the dots. You didn't necessarily show your work, but I see where you connected the dots as as to if that happened or not. Who fucking knows? Show the X's and O's if you want, John. No, we don't have time. Show me after. <laughs> I'm I'm done with your conspiracy theories. Let's uh let's get back to the original Did you the Shirelli know deals, that the, the coronavirus was actually started by Brad Marchand? Oh my god. And when he Is started licking people's licking faces. People? Yeah. What a rat. I feel like that was too easy. <laughs> Though. I don't even feel like that was funny. Well, it's staying in either way, so we'll we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> okay, back to the deals. So, do you have anything off the top of your head? Other ones you liked? And I know I'm throwing you on the spot. I have a list. In, in front Shirelli, of me, so. sorry, we're still talking about obviously. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, this is gonna be the whole episode. We were talking about. <laughs> I like how we started with this, and it's now 24 minutes in, and we're like, hey, uh, so we're not gonna move on to any of the other. This is five the great thing about podcasting. I know. No, yeah. we didn't even really have points though. We were just like, yeah, we might we're talk about that. Shit. This is yeah. a good thing. We're off season. This is like any Reddit users out there. We're in like what. This is the equivalent of shit posting season right now where we're just coming up with random ideas, recapping whatever we want to recap. And honestly, it's great. So hope you're enjoying it. But I do have to point out the irony that we were like, we've had so much doom and gloom this last couple episodes talking about the coronavirus. So let's keep it light and talk about good things and fun things and keep it fun. And then we go back to like the one of the worst G, well, probably the worst GM, sorry, not probably the worst GM in Oilers history. And let's just recap all the moves he made and relive this, everybody. Isn't this fun? This is so much fun. I mean, the only reason I had fun is because we're in a better position now. Yeah. It's fun Other to look than back the coronavirus, like, I guess. Didn't that suck? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. We're in Also, by the way, I'm going to say right now, I feel so bad for doing that coronavirus ad read for mybookie.ag. This is two episodes in a row. Like, I know, I know I've said it. And like, but, absolve yourself uh, I feel of these sins. like <laughs> I'm about to uh, pay for that. So, <laughs> just, Sorry, uh, I'm laughing. doing the cross on my heart right now, just trying to, you know. Kyle apologizes, McJesus, okay? He apologizes. Please the don't. The hockey gods are please all I believe in. Him. So, please spare me. If if you're gonna like not spare him, at least make it quick so you can give his girlfriend a bit of a break because I think she's struggling right now. Bro, are we gonna join in prayer right now? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, do you have any other moves that you liked of the Shirelli moves? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think. Other than the the David Musil for, I'm not gonna tell you <laughs> who who did we trade David Musil for? Does <laughs> <laughs> he forget again? I totally like He's like not fuck? even that much of a no name at all. He's Patrick like a Burn. fan favorite here. Why did I forget that? That's two times. Did you in a row. Say That's it? so bad. Yeah, Patrick did you get Burn. it? Yeah, Patrick. Okay. Yeah. Thank God. I was. Like I didn't even have to Google like, that. I'm not that dumb, but I'm pretty dumb. But call eight one one and see if you have some symptoms here, man. Jesus. <laughs> I already texted you earlier, John, and I asked my medical professional what I should be doing, and you told me to go spread the disease everywhere. So yeah, thank you. That's exactly what I said. So you like the Patrick Maroon for David Muse? I, I love how you remember David Musil, but you don't remember Patrick. It's Maroon. David Musil. 
Okay, whatever. Musel, Musel, whatever. How do you remember that name, but you don't remember Patrick Maroon? Like, he literally just won a cup last year with St. Louis. It was like huge headlines, (laughs) like less than a year ago. Honestly, I think I remembered it just because of how drastic the trade was because David Musil never played in the NHL again. I don't even think he played in the AHL again. We gave like a mid-round pick with that too, didn't we? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it was a one for one. I'll hold on. I'm going to look up for the trade right now. But Even yeah, if it you was, you look yeah. that up and I'll keep talking, even if it was a pick. So that one, obviously the Cassian one too. I mean, Scrivens can occasionally make 50 plus saves in a shutout, but at the end of the day, he's not an NHL goaltender. Well, it isn't anymore anyways. wasn't really at that point either. It was just too inconsistent. But I really like that move too. I thought those trades were were solid by him. We're starting with the good here and we're going to, don't, don't you worry. We're going to move into the bat. I also thought like Calmet kind of alluded to the 2015 draft and maybe it is a lot of like the amateur scouts that were here in Edmonton before and had been set up, but he did bring a lot of that information over from Boston as well, similar to how Holland did that this year from Detroit, kind of formulating his draft plan. So I think you look at how through the Shirelli years, how we drafted after the first round, we probably drafted better than the Oilers have in honestly decades. I don't think I can look back and honestly say, that that's an area that Shirelli didn't help the Oilers in. Like he definitely did. And you look at Caleb Jones making an impact, Ethan Bear making an impact. Um, obviously Tyler Benson over Alex Debrinket, pretty questionable decision. A lot of fans at the time saw that connection with obviously McDavid's junior line mate in Debrinket. But Benson has been staying healthy, was projected to be a top 10 pick before huge injury issues his last couple of years in junior. So time will tell. I mean, obviously Alex Debrink is the much more proven player and will be the better NHLer, but I can't like super, super hold that against him. At the end of the day, I think we still have a pretty good prospect in Benson. Maybe that's me being a little bit of a Shirelli apologist. At the time, I definitely thought that they should have taken Debrink it. So maybe a knock on him there. But other than that, Kirill Maximov is another guy that's still developing. Rounds one through five are solid. We we picked up um, from when he's been here. We picked up Bear in the f- fifth round, as well as Jones in the fourth, fifth fifth round in the year after Wells, and then three uh, before that: uh, Berglund, Carnes, Nemalinen, and then uh, Benson, Puliarvi, and then before that: Maximov, Safin, Semerukov, Skinner, Yamamoto. Like every year before round five, he performed. Like he did perform. He's got guys consistently in there that still have a shot, which is really like when you're, you know, two, three, four, five years out from those drafts and you've got guys still in your system developing that have a shot at being more than AHL players. I feel like that's got to be a success, especially when you look at, our drafting system before that and how poor it was after the first round for years and years and years. The last good, and I mean good, NHLer where they had like a full NHL career that was drafted after the first round is probably Jeff Petrie in 06. Agreed. Literally this, like through the whole decade of darkness, these are anyone, these are names that people might just recognize, but 
Try like, and tell oh, me I that any that of these guys are yeah. good NHLers. Exactly. So also in 2006, third round, Theo Peckham. Linus Omark in the fourth in 07. Nobody in 08. Anton Lander, really good AHLer, not a good NHLer. Second round, 09. Tyler Pitlick, rough injuries. Wouldn't say he's a really good N- or a good NHLer. Same thing, Martin Marinson in 2010, both in the second round. Brandon Davidson in the sixth. I, I like Davey, but hard to say that he's a good NHLer. Jujar Kara. I mean, John, I just want to throw back to like what you've been going through. Well, as Oilers fans, like that was that was um Shirelli's first year it was 2015, right? Kara was in that. Uh, no, oh, Kara was 2012. He was that was, oh, no, that was Yakupov's. Kara's been in our system for but, a while. Oh, sorry, Kyle, before I let you go there, there yeah. was actually one other one. Eric Cus- Eric Gustafson, 2012 in the fourth round. Too bad we didn't sign him. And he's actually currently a Calgary Flame. Put up 60 points with Chicago last year as a defenseman. But that might have also been a one-hit wonder. But so maybe one guy since 06, other than Jeff Petrie after the first round. Like, that's just how abysmal abysmal the drafting was in 2007 which was our first quote-unquote rebuild year right we had three picks in the first round and we picked or sorry Gagne who although was projected to be uh you know top pick that year as well as Plant at 51 Alec Plant and Riley Nash. I, I feel I should say the full name because nobody will know who the fuck these players are. And Riley Nash at 21st overall in the first pick. And then our next pick was fourth round, 97th overall, Linus Omark, who I remember Omark much more than I remember Plant or Nash, right? Like, obviously, everybody knows. I remember Gagne. Riley Nash a little bit, but obviously never panned out. Yeah, I, I you don't just know. remember just, you remember Omar because of his filthy, filthy shootout goals, though. <laughs> you know it, yeah. But just in general, right? It, it doesn't change the fact that our team has not done well through the draft, which is oh, for where sure. we need to highlight this team, and that's where we need to build from. It's been the same issue. Why we never? Why the decade of darkness happened? Like, yes, you need good, like, elite level players that you get with high picks. But if you can't actually draft draft and develop, excuse me, draft and develop a prospect pipeline, like that that's how all teams are at the base level formed. Like, yes, did the Bostons and Chicago's did they make moves later on to put their team over the top? Sure. But those teams all drafted and developed very well. And it wasn't just drafting Kane and Taze. It was drafting around them and developing around them and Surrounding them with a core and actually building them, building the right way. I'm having a tough time talking today. My goodness. But I like how you're making fun of me earlier, but then you you can speak (laughs) shit and it's all fine. Yeah, Yeah, that Maximov was bad. I'm leaving it at that. (laughs) But we we always get sidetracked here. I'm just going to rattle through this though. Okay. So if you, if you disagree with anything, let's just make note of it. So the bad amount of no movement clauses and no trades he gave out in general, Koskinen contract given too early, even though I'm happy with the deal now. Um, I'd argue that the Lucic signing is like kind of in between these two categories. The next one is absolutely baffling. I missed one. Sorry. 
I would add in bad John. I'm just I'm a mess today. I'm a mess. I know, I was just calling you out. That's it. <laughs> okay, I get it. I'm getting it now, hey? You're yeah. ripping on it's me. It's your turn. Okay. It's your turn. Fuck Fair enough. It's yeah. what goes around comes around. I'm gonna exclude this. I'm gonna ask you about it after. Because I think we're gonna actually disagree with this. So that's the bad. Sorry for completely butchering that. Sound like biz nasty trying to do a fucking ad read here. Um the baffling trades and moves in general. Yes. Obviously Hall traded after receiving one offer from one team. That's a fireable offense. And I see that as a big Adam Larson fan. Strom for Spooner, absolutely baffling. That's a pan that was a panic move. Manning and Petrovic deals, both panic moves. You're sending me into PTSD. I thought we were over this. <laughs> I forgot about all these moves. It's so horrible. Stop, please. And then I that's the end. So the the last one, I will say that I forgot to put into good, and I did it on Twitter too. You mentioned it earlier, was the Talbot trade, bringing Talbot in. So I think that was a, like that was a solid one. A lot of people say it was a gift from Sather, but whatever. We're not going to get into that. So, my question to you is, and we're going to wrap the episode up with this. Was the Eberle for Strom trade, what category does that fall into? Good, oh bad, or baffling? God. Or you can make your own category if it's in between one. At the time, baffling. As Strom came here and played his game, bad. But uh, But when Strom was traded away even worse than baffling again. Like we had our third line center. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not the Strom, the Strom for Spooner thing is definitely baffling. Agreed. Sorry. sorry, I'm just talking about the, the Strom tenure, I guess in general, um, the straight up Eberle, uh, Strom trade. uh, It was horrible. It might've been one of the worst moves I've seen happen in all this history that I'm aware of. Wow. And and wow. I'm saying That's I'm aware a- of is in <laughs> my time of watching the Oilers, so I'm I'm discounted in the last that. twenty years, fifteen yes. years. Yes. So we finally have something to disagree with. So now this episode's going to run an hour, probably. I think that was a good trade, and I did at the time. And I'm not even talking. And like I'm, I know we were talking about. Oh, are you, you fucking serious? Like, you have to look at it and how I'm it excited panned to hear out. Your point I'm not even yeah. doing that here. And I am going to be one of those Oilers fans that probably drives the majority of Oilers fans nuts right now. I agree with everyone that thinks that Eberle's time had come. And I and I love Eberle. And I he just had a kid. Congrats. Not that he listens anyway, but that that's awesome. I'm, I'm super happy for him. And I'm glad he's found a, a home in New York close by Halsey. Well, was close by Halsey before he moved to Arizona. But it wasn't even the playoff series that everybody rips on him for. It was the whole season. My gripe with Eberle as the team started to turn a gear was he was like, you see Nuge. Nuge seems like a leader. He he puts his nose to the grindstone and, and he's a, the longest serving oiler. And I think he's earned that for lack of a better term. Cause he's gone through a lot of shit. I don't think, I think Eberle did the polar opposite. I think Eberle was stuck in the former culture of the team, had been around for too long. And I know that's a shitty cop out, but I also, the thing I always hated about Eberle, and you can say this about a lot of snipers, but when he wasn't scoring, he wasn't doing anything good for your team. Now, I don't agree with not replacing that scoring somehow. 
But I do think moving Eberle and bringing Strowman, I think that was closer value than a lot of people think. And I honestly, I did not dislike the trade at the time. I liked it. John, I think that was the wrong way to say that, though. Like, I agree with you. And I'm not trying to discredit what you said. Um, You can't agree with me. We finally set something up to have a good disagreement and actually bitch at each other. And now, no, because I think you're disagreeing <laughs> with me on the wrong thing. I'm, I'm sorry, because I really do agree with you. Like, I think that Everly should have been traded. I think that Hall at the time was probably the right time for him to be traded. Was the return on that trade good? No. I think I, for Strom, I think it was. I think that's ridiculous. I think when you look at Strom being a smart center... And Eberle is a streaky 20, 25 goal scorer that doesn't really bring anything else. I think when you're, I think Strom would, would have been our perfect third line center. And Eberle, at the end of the day, is a second line right winger. But John, I don't disagree with you there, dude. It, it, my disagreement with you happens when you say that Strom is equal to Eberle. Like, I, I guess. Yeah, but Strom also wasn't given the equal opportunity that Everly was. He was treated like Nuge was here. In what way? What do you mean? He had fucking Lucic as his winger for the majority of the time. He was a negative player, but yes, was our best offensive player on the team. So isn't that going to my argument? In what? That Shirelli didn't build a good team, I guess. But was the trade bad? No. Well, no, but it's like if you're saying if you're saying that Strom still like managed to minorly perform playing with Lucic, doesn't that just kind of show that it wasn't that we didn't Sorry, get fair value? Sorry, what's your argument? Am I missing this? Are you saying that Everly? Uh, I think the trade Everly for Strom was fair. I think that was pretty close to fair value, and I think it was a smart trade. I think it was a smart I trade, but I don't think it was mismanaged. fair. I think the same thing as the whole trade. I think it was a smart trade, but it wasn't fair. Oh, that's such a cop out. What the fuck? Oh, I would that? argue. Are you kidding me? You think that the Hall trade was a smart trade, or do you think trading Hall was a smart trade? I think move? it was a. Ne- I don't think it was a necessity trade, and I think Hall was the person to move. Do I think the return was good? No. And you think, but the do same I think thing that the trade was the right move to made? Yes. And I think the exact same thing with Everly. I think that we're paying the um, the downside of not having a winger to replace Everly. But do I think that Everly was, uh, like you're saying, quote unquote, past his prime, or like? there was a better player to grab. Yes, I agree with that. I do think that Eberle, and as he's shown with the Islanders, is not the player that he was. And saying that, I think he still could become that. And I'm happy for him. Having oh, I don't think there's and, any way and he all does. that shit. But uh, He's a sniper I mean, past his prime. Like, I don't think there's any way Eberle returns to what Yeah, I think up. it was the best time to trade him. I just think the return, we could have got more. That's it. I I, I think on, on a line with McDavid, Eberle would be fucking wrecking right now. If my memory serves, I don't think Everly looked very good with McDavid. Everly got a lot of opportunities with Connor. And that being said, that was 19-year-old Connor. Like, you're not, I'm not saying you're out to lunch here, Kyle, because a lot of Oilers fans are right there with you. I've, I've always been of the thinking that I think that was a pretty fair value trade. And I, I think the thing is, and like what I'll say, I think a lot of Oilers fans overvalue Everly. But is Everly for Spooner a value trade, right? I know that's not. The, I know it's the next question on top of that, but I would argue that the trade from Strom to Spooner 
was worse than the haul for Larson trade. Okay, fair. That one was awful. Like the the Spooner. I mean, the guy's not even the fucking league anymore. Like it's it's baffling that he made that move. That that's now my PTSD is coming back. But I think a lot of Oilers fans overvalue Jordan Eberle, and I think it's because it was a really shitty period of time, and he brought a lot of little silver linings. Same thing with Taylor Hall, and I can respect that. Like I like both those players. I, I genuinely do like they, they have a lot of, you know, fond memories for myself in shitty periods, but I think part of what that does is it makes fans overvalue them. And honestly, like, do you think Eberle's a top, even at the time of the trade, was Eberle a top 20 winger in the league? Nope. But Hall was, Hall was top Oh, 10. for sure. I like, I let's not even talk about it. Like we can all agree that that was a ridiculous, like, in that article that Willis wrote, I don't know if this had come out earlier and I had just missed it, but Shirelli had said that it was one, he, he got one offer from one team. I would say before that season, before that season that Everly was traded, he was a top 40 winner. And then after that, like I'm pushing top 50. I think the the year before that season. That, sorry, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what so I mean. Like Not the, the season the, he was traded, 15, but the year before. 16, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Yep. So I, I, I would agree there, but I think it was just like, I think a lot of people around the league saw a sniper on the decline as a team was getting better. And I I don't think there was a lot of people jumping at the bit to get Eberle. And I, I feel bad saying that because I do, like, I really like the player, but I I think it's, I think we overvalue him as fans a lot of the time. I, I would just only say that like... Most fans overvaluate most players that play for the team anyways. For sure. He was, I think it's to yeah, a different I think, level though. I think we though. can mutually, mutually agree and disagree on this, right? I, th- I think the whole tenure as uh, as Torelli as a whole, as a general manager, right, is, is pretty up in the air. You can take whatever side you want and kind of, even though that's bad to say, right? Like there's a pretty clear cut right and wrong in his time here as a GM. Uh, like we've done here over the past 30 minutes, I think we've argued like our sides and what he did, what was right and what was wrong, um, was and wasn't as extreme as people are saying. Let's end on a positive note. I am a lot more confident that the Oilers are going to win a cup in the next three years and they'll be the first Canadian team to do it since the 90s. I genuinely, I'm all aboard the hype train now that we're in shitposting season. And honestly, with how banged up our team was, this is going to benefit a lot of teams. But if the NHL manages to play out the playoffs, I think we go to the cup final. So I don't know if that's that hot takey or not, but it's kind of a random prediction, but I'm definitely starting to believe. So fingers crossed that this pandemic thing gets dealt with and everybody stays safe and we can get hockey back, obviously.